Welcome to 20 Not Something, the podcast for 20-somethings who haven't quite figured out what their something is yet. Each week, I'll be speaking to a different guest about their experiences of this messy decade to reassure you that everything turns out all right in the end. Because doing something in your 20s can actually mean doing anything that makes you happy. Today, I am joined by photographer, food writer and chef Elena Amott. Elena entered her 20s decade wanting many things, to be creative, loved, thin, beautiful, talented and successful. So not asking for too much, really. Not having the funds to go to university, Elena got a PA job at an advertising agency where she met her soon-to-be husband. She married at the ripe old age of 19 and her early 20s were spent pursuing a career in fashion. Landing an MA in Manchester, she then worked several placements in London before an opportunity presented itself at Pollyanna Boutique as a designer for their own label under the critical eye of Rita Breton. By her late 20s, Elena had started her own fashion label, Chalk, and enjoyed the creativity and purpose this industry gave her, selling her clothes to well-known brands across the world. But it wasn't all smooth sailing for Elena, and over the following years she experienced many ups and downs. Four years after giving birth to her son Wesley, Elena divorced her husband, meaning she was forced to move away from the fashion world and worked various jobs, from personal training to financial services, while trying to sustain a steady income and keep a roof over her and Wesley's heads. Her 30s and 40s were a whirlwind of adventure, heartbreak and physical and mental challenges. She got into a nasty motorbike accident, became a photographer for protest groups, got treated like shit in various organisations as a secretary, discovered cooking, helped her son through depression, featured on a Netflix cooking show and now works in casting at a talent agency. This, albeit a very condensed version of a pretty sensational life, is why it's going to be so hard to only talk about the 20s decade in this particular episode. Elena has had a plethora of adventures and exciting avenues over the years and is probably one of the most interesting people I've ever spoken to. Reflecting on her 20s, she said, I wish I'd had different people around me so I could have learnt quicker what I now know. I wish I had taken things slower, knowing that women don't have to rush it all and that good things take time to mature. Elena, welcome to 20 Not Something. Thank you. Thank you for having me. No problem. I love that sentiment as well. Good things take time to mature. It's like um, a good wine or uh, what? what is that uh, ingredient that you have to ferment for ages? Is it kimchi? Have you made kimchi? Before? Yes. Yes, I guess, I guess so. Um, but good things do take time. I, mm. you know, and I, I can say that because I'm an incredibly impatient person. But I think <laughs> that I am yeah, very, very, very impatient. But I think... Um, Sometimes things happen when they happen, really. Um, mm. You can spend your, your life, you know, when you're, I don't know, when you're a certain age, you always want to know what's happening, or, um, you know, what's going to happen when I'm this age, or you can't think beyond a certain age. And um, I've got to the age of 52 where, whereby someone says, you know, I hate the question, what are your goals? Um, apart from world domination, mm. I think, really let's just you know see how it goes and see you know see what happens obviously I do have goals but Mm. not not in the same concrete way that I had in my 20s yeah and not letting them consume your life and get so panicky about like when you're doing things and having that patience yeah it's it is true it is a virtue and one which I don't think many people have so I'm glad to hear that you also struggle with that (laughs) yeah Uh, it can be a a daily or a weekly struggle. There are things that you want, and especially having been in lockdown, um, we've wanted 
things to open up. So we've been looking forward to that day. Mm. Um, and, you know, that we've been living in a state of um, almost not inertia, but it feels that way. When with the, with, and watch the seasons come and go, waiting for the time when we can go out and be social again. And, um, yeah, and I think we've all learned patience. Definitely. Yeah, definitely agree. When you were looking into your 20s decade then, what was the one thing that you wanted the most? Can you remember? Um, gosh, what did I want the most? The most? I think I wanted, I didn't think I wanted something the most. Um, there were you know, a variety of things. Um, but I didn't really think in my 20s, I didn't really think beyond 30, really. I didn't mm. really, you know, beyond that. I wanted, I wanted everything. Mm. And I, yeah, I, I wanted everything and I, I wanted it now. And I, you know, but the things that I wanted have changed. Mm. You see? Yeah. It's interesting because obviously, you know, you were married so young at 19. Yeah. And, and I remember seeing your Instagram post about uh, you put up a picture of you on your wedding day and you said, I love her, but I don't miss her. And I just wanted to ask you about that and about who she was and um, and why don't you miss her? Um, I don't miss her impulsiveness. I think... Um, she did things without a thought about them. I think she also didn't think very much about herself. I think she was pleasing others. I think that she wanted, you know, she wanted to be loved and um, she wanted to be beautiful and, you know, all of those things. Um, but, you know, she, she didn't really understand her creativity. She didn't really understand or... Um, she lived her heritage, but I don't think she understood it. And, um, yeah, she didn't really understand about feminism either. So, um, so I don't think she actually thought about her place in the world and the impact she could make. She was too busy living in the moment. That's interesting. Do you think there's because when people say living in the moment that's something that I'm quite envious of I wish I could live mm -hmm. more in the moment um mm. so when you say that I'm like oh that's actually that's quite powerful but I guess when you said that you didn't understand those things do you think that your 20s were a time when you began to learn that about yourself because you know when we're 19 like none of us really know what we're talking about or who we are Yes, I think so. I think that um, living in the moment was what happened to her at that time. Mm. She lived um, with her family, um, slept in the same bed as her sister, and which she'd done all of her life, and then moved into another bed with her husband. So mm. her, her life was about family and going to work and coming back. Um, she didn't go to nightclubs. She didn't go to clubs. Um, she'd never kissed anyone. So she decided pretty promptly, that's what I'm going to do. And, um, yeah, so she hadn't really lived. She'd never travelled. She she worked and she came home and her life was all-encompassing with, with her family. She watched TV. She slept, went, went back to work the next day. Mm. And, and that, that, that was, you know, my life. That was my my sister's lives um and that's how we that was our culture that's what we did we mm. didn't 
you know, we couldn't afford to go to university. It wasn't really on the cards. We we got jobs in order to, you know, help my mother um, financially for all the work that she'd done to help bring us up. So yeah, I, I, I thought about university, but I, I couldn't, I couldn't, I wouldn't have done it because it would have, it would have put my mother at more hardship. So therefore, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't on the cards. So yeah, it wasn't, um, yeah. So in, in, in that case, um, you know, you, you know, you wanted more, but, um, you weren't around people and you didn't, um, you didn't have the knowledge or the foresight in terms of, you know, the establishment and the, and the, and the choices that were available to you. And at that time there were, there were, very few choices. My mother was a nurse. My father was a mechanic. And, um, you know, the work that we did was very much labour orientated rather than um, academic. Mm. I mean, since then, you know, you've gone on to create so many incredible opportunities for yourself. Um, And I wanted to talk to you about, obviously, because you got into fashion and that must have been such a great outlet for that creativity, which you clearly have. What did that sort of give you, that that new sort of career? I mean, it was very hard. My first job was £150 a week. Wow. So, And that was in London. And um, yeah, I was lucky enough to stay with some friends and then I would go back um, at weekends to to be a wife really so mm-hmm. you know so that that was difficult and also at the time I was older than many of the other um college um university graduates so you know I had to find my feet in I knew that wasn't for me but you know being in London was exciting but you know 150 good for a week is nothing you know finding a career working at Pollyanna was easier so I could be at home and travel to Barnsley where I, I, at the time I lived in Manchester and then moved to Yorkshire. So it was an easy, easier uh, journey, but it was quite hard because it was, you know, the hours were long and tiring mm. and you had to do a variety of jobs. It was, I guess, on reflection, quite exciting, but incredibly hard. But I met some amazing people. I enjoyed being in Barnsley and um but obviously stood out as there weren't many black people in Barnsley not working for an expensive shop I was the only black person there Mm. so it was it was exciting um and I met the most amazing people and Rita Britton was an amazing force and learning how to sell on the shop floor and talking to people looking at their bodies seeing what fits what didn't fit what worked and when someone came in there were four floors you had to, and they put something on, there wasn't a mirror in the changing area. There was just a circular section and it had lovely curtains around it, um, very theatrical. Mm. So they would try something on, not knowing if it what it looked like. And when they came out of that curtain, there would be people on the shop floor and they would walk towards the mirror. So I always knew that I had to make sure the first thing they tried on was going to be fantastic because it's quite a... It's quite a big step. The curtain's opening and there you are. And if you think, oh my God, I look fat or, you know, I look awful, which most women do when they try things on <laughs> because the sizing is wrong. That's a big thing to overcome. Mm. So I had to, and if they felt good, then they were more likely to buy. Mm. But if they didn't, then it already starts on a negative. 
yeah. then you have to try and lift them up with the second garment. And if the second garment doesn't fit, they're ready to go because they're self-esteem. You know what it's like. You, yeah. you try to on after the second one, you think, that's it, I've had enough. It's me. So, and it obviously wasn't them, but, um, but it was also, you know, you had to sell things in the middle of Barnsley, you know, not everyone was rushing through the door. So you had to align that with the job of, of running the business, really. Mm-hmm. I didn't run the business, but we had to sell clothes and, and we had to do it. You know, there was a, there was no two ways about it. So, yeah. so yeah, so it was quite tough. And, you know, there were times when it was very quiet. And you really have to work out which clothes worked on which bodies. Yeah, it, 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 was, a, it was a wonderful time. And it was a wonderful uh, community. And uh, Rita was um, such a hard taskmaster, but she was, she was quite brilliant. And um, I learned a lot from her. And is so, that where you were inspired to sort of um, create your own clothing brand afterwards? <laughs> No, I always wanted to, um, designing, so I always, you know, wanted to create my own. But mm. Pollyanna, you know, being around the most wonderful labels, Yoji, uh, Miyaki, Comme de Garçon, um, you, you see the most wonderful clothes. Mm. And uh, the fit, you know, Jill Sandra Junior. And it was, you know, quite extraordinary seeing the height of fashion. and. Mm you know, looking inside a jacket, looking how it was made, which, you know, things of such beauty and such elegance. Yeah. Um, it was really very humbling. And of course, you wanted to do that with your own clothes because you knew the standard. And how clothes make you feel, you know, they, you know, they are important. Mm. How they make you feel, how they can transcend, you know, a mood, how you can, the confidence they give you. And the mask and um yeah so it was it, w- it was a wonderful time in my life and I'm I'm very very glad you know I did it yeah definitely I mean you've you've had so many jobs and careers over the course of your life it's almost like you've lived multiple lives you know from fashion to fitness to secretary work to cooking photography basically done it all and you speak yeah. so highly about fashion um what do you think for you was the most fulfilling of all of those jobs that you've had? The most fulfilling? Hmm. I'm not sure, really. I think they were all fulfilling in their ways. Fashion, just being able to buy cloth and have the cloth come, that always gives you a thrill. Because when you see bowls of fabric and then you have to imagine what the collection's going to be like, so you have to, you're almost buying it blind even though you sketch, roughly sketched out um, the ideas, that was exciting. And also traveling, visiting factories, I loved that. And working out the problems with a garment, which was very annoying when a garment didn't work, but you're really problem solving. And then when you fashion it onto a body, getting it to work in the, in the right sizes. So my love of fashion will never go. And that's always been quite important to me. Um, the fitness... Yeah, I mean, I, I like it, but it can, it's, it's really secondary. But I think um, fashion, um, photography and cooking are the things that uh, I'd like to be remembered. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, I love that. I think is in our twenties we get so caught up with this idea of finding the right path and finding yeah. the right career and yeah. you know landing some form of success because of that. And I guess for you, you know, trying out so many different avenues, do you feel that that has? Do you think that's taught you something more about yourself than if you'd have just stuck in one straight and narrow lane? Well, I couldn't. I couldn't afford to stay in fashion because I divorced. Mm. Mm. So one can't, you don't earn that much. Um, I couldn't um, continue with my own fashion label. I couldn't afford to be self-employed and look after my son. I couldn't live from season to season because most of the shops pay incredibly late and order with small quantities. So that wasn't feasible. So I was forced to give up fashion um, upon divorce, which many divorced you know, women and you know, having, with their financial positions having been changed or single women or, you know, someone on a very modest wage wouldn't be able to do. You can't yeah. afford to spend huge amounts of money on fabric on a, on a whim just to see if it sells. Um, so I didn't make the choice. Well, I suppose I did make the choice in order to make sure that I could look after my son, but I knew that it wasn't feasible. Mm. And um, in terms of photography, which I still do, self-taught, um, I still, I still do that, but you know, I'm not commissioned by the likes of Vogue or other magazines. So I have to be able to do d- different things in order mm-hmm. to survive. Mm-hmm. And we live in a world now where it's not about one industry. In fact, I think if I'd studied finance, I'd be able to fund myself doing these things, mm-hmm. but I didn't because I didn't want to. But ultimately, um, finance or the legal profession would have given me stability enable, to enable to do what I want. So mm. then I would have had to have taken a different route and dumbed down my creativity. Yeah, it's the, so, the catch-22, you know, isn't it? It's catch-22, but I, the irony um, is, is that if I had gone via those routes, which is why, as you know, being a young girl, my mother made me go into secretarial because she said, that would be reliable. And she was right. Mm, mm. It still is. Yeah. I can, I can, I'm more likely to get a job um, as, as, as a secretary. Um, it's, I guess, sad that um, she didn't, you know, she wasn't able to fund us going to university. Mm. Ultimately, it was for us to try to make it happen. But at that time, I, there wasn't anyone, uh, none of my siblings had been to university. So, it was a it was a dream that I had to think. No, I can't do that. I can't live away from home. How would my how could I ask my mother to to fund accommodation when she was raising six kids on a nurse's salary? I wouldn't have asked that. It must have been such a difficult decision. I mean, the both the university and also leaving fashion, and like the sacrifice that you make for your creativity because you knew obviously you had to support your son. And I do truly salute you for that because that must have been really tough. And I just wanted to ask you, like, what advice would you give to someone like yourself who who wants to be creative for a living but perhaps struggles with with the financial burden that that comes with? Because you know we both know we're both in the arts. It's yeah. it's so underpaid and you're so undervalued. How how do you get around that and how do you channel your creativity whilst you know still providing? You have a sketchbook and you sketch in it. 
and you look at it from time to time and you write things down and you continue to dream. That's all, that's all you can do. You have your sketchbook and it's yours and no one else can draw like you can. No one else can write. The thoughts are yours. And you have to have that to keep, to keep you going and to give you a sense of your own worth as a creative person. And, you know, everyone has dreams, regardless of whether they're creative or, or not. So you have to hold on to those dreams, regardless of what you're doing. Mm. And we live in an age where we are um, multi-talented and we have to have different skills. The idea of having one job is so rare now. So you have to be really versatile and adaptable mm. to what's going to, what's going to be out there. And I also think you have to say yes to things that maybe you don't understand how you're going to do it, that you haven't got the funds, that maybe you haven't got the skill. I think you've just got to say yes. And I, I think that the decisions I've made um, have been about me saying yes. I love that. Say yes. I love that. It's brilliant. How did... Um cooking come about in your life then because that as you said is that your real passion now is that something you discovered you know early on or is that a more a recent thing I've always cooked because I come from a Jamaican family so we were taught to cook very young probably about the age of six so cooking has always been in my DNA I remember when my son was going to university I began to cook more seriously to show him how to cook because he would be spending the week away with me in Brighton and I was in London. So I ramped it up a bit then so that he could really learn how to cook and sort of break it down. So, you know, I didn't want him to be on his own and, yeah, and mm. kind of just be eating in halls. That's, that's not, I say that's not food, but it is food. But it's, it's not. It's not kind of food. Um, I, it needs a taste of something. So he, he could he could do that because he was in halls. But he could also supplement it with the food he would cook at home. So the cooking started more seriously from that point. And at that time, I was also photographing protests and then cooking on the Sunday with him. And then on Sunday, he would go back to Brighton University. So I would cook and then we would have lunch and then I would pack everything together so that he would have something tasty when he, when he got back to Brighton. I mean, he would go back really laden with stuff and like, Oh, but, um, but you know, there's nothing nicer than someone having looked after you. You've gone to a bit of a, another place and you open a container and it's like, Oh wow. And it just makes you feel, it just makes you feel so much better. Um, and then after the photography, uh, the cooking on Saturday, on Sunday, and Saturday, um, I was discovered by the TV show Crazy Delicious. And then I really started cooking seriously. Mm. I think that was quite a defining moment. Where we met. <laughs> yes, where we met. Exactly. And I had yeah. to think. Before then, I cooked, but not really seriously. I knew I could cook well, but no one told me, apart from my son and my family, that I could cook. Because I'd never cooked for anyone else really before. Mm. So. It's no, sensational I, though. And like the, the things, the ingredients that you use were so different and like, but they complemented each other so well. I just remember that being quite a distinctive um, thing about you. 
Yeah, I think that I think you have to be inventive with what you have. I really do. And you know, we don't have a lot of money and we certainly don't have money to waste. And you know, I spend you know, wisely on food. There are things that I want to buy that I think, oh, I'd really like to buy that. But I, I haven't got, you know, the lifestyle to just say, oh, I have it. But, you know, I, you know, on Saturday, Sunday, I went to market and I longingly looked at some seafood. I thought, I really want to buy that. But I thought, no, you have to be sensible. Mm-hmm. You know, you're buying it just for yourself. Wesley doesn't eat seafood. So I didn't buy it. I longed for it, but I didn't buy it. So yeah, I have to make those choices. Mm-hmm. If something is too expensive, you think, yeah, I'd like to, but not on a weekday. So. Yeah. <laughs> the hashtag treat yourself mantra. Have you seen that? And it's like, oh, can I really no, do I that? <laughs> but I think, um, you know, you have to have those, those limits. So, mm. but you know, so, I mean, I, I mean, there's so much stuff, so much food I'd like to try. I really would. And I'd like to cook because as a cook, you want to think, oh, what's that like? But, you know, it's all down to um, to income, mm. really. So you have to sometimes think, well, what do I have and what can I do with it? And also that can make you more inventive. You have to really think, okay, I've got some potatoes or I've got some shallots and, you know, a lot of garlic. Well, what, what am I going to do with that? Mm. It has to stretch. I do, and I think that's important. It has to stretch. It doesn't just have to be fancy for fancy's sake. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Is Wesley a good cook now then? Now you've taught him yeah, yeah. to work. He, he is a very good cook. He makes the most beautiful desserts. The really? most wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, he um he's a very good cook. Oh, yeah. Love that. A post you put up about him which was really powerful. Um I think it was a few weeks ago, maybe it was as we were coming out of lockdown and it was a picture of you and Wesley together and it just melted my heart because it was actually the reason I um I wanted you to come on the podcast because you you basically laid out, you know, your life in, in the caption. And I was just like, oh my gosh, you know, you've been through so much. And at the end of it, you said, um, we've gone through so many rejections, prejudice, adversity, but slowly and surely get up when wounded. It's been a painful, but wonderful life, which has been fully lived. And it was just such a beautiful sentiment and so, so powerful. And I, I just wanted to ask you yes. when, when you are faced with that adverse, adversity and, and those impossible hurdles which you have experienced, where yeah. does that where does that strength come from? Do you think to to carry on? Where does it come from? Well, it's when I am wounded, and at that time I was very, very wounded and devastated. But my mother just makes us get up. There is. You know, if you call her and you start and you can just feel her going, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, you know, you must still fight. So, you, and you know it's coming and you're just wanting just a little bit of sympathy. And she does give sympathy, but, you know, she's come from the school of hard knocks. Mm. You ain't going to get sympathy from a nurse. Nurses are tough because they, they, have, to, they have to will you to get up. So I remember after I had a cesarean and boy, they were ruthless then. You had to get up and walk, you know, and they have to do it because the body has to recover and you're just like, I can't do it. But you have to. And, you know, there's this nurse there and 
and they're most wonderful, wonderful people. Mm. But they have to will you to get up. They have to will you to fight. They have to will you and your body to keep going. And, you know, my mother's made from that stuff. So that's, I think, what um, pulls me mm. because there's, there's no choice. There's no, there is no plan B to, to not fight. My, my son relies on me and we have to do it. And I rely on him. So we have to do it. There is, there, there's nothing else. Mm. You know, there is no nest egg. There is no, yeah, no fluffy cloud lining. You know, when people put up posters, say, I'm just going back to my cloud now. I'm like, look, you got a cloud. I have no cloud. You know, this is life. This is, I have to get up. Mm. So that, that's what, and, some, and, and the most wonderful thing is you can get up and you can make something really simple out of very little ingredients. Or you can read about the best way to produce an omelette or you can find different ways to be inventive with chickpeas. And that can, that can lift you to think, yeah, I did that today. And maybe today was a bit rough, but you know, we're eating this and uh, life ain't too bad. Yeah, there's always tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that little thing that you've done, maybe someone else hasn't done, but maybe you could share that with someone or that knowledge or that picture. And they think, oh, that was, that was pretty all right. And then you think, yeah, actually, it was. I'm all right today. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. it just it yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But um, we had some mum and son, son time on Bank Holiday Monday and we went to see A Quiet Place too. And even though I, I don't really like horror, but I love the, um, the photography and the filming and the cinematography in it. But I, I watched it and felt <laughs> quite calm and at peace because I thought, yeah, I know what she's going through. Yeah, she's looking after kids and yeah, she's trying to protect that and she's trying to do this and she's in pain, but she's still walking and she's wounded. You know, ain't Emily Blunt great? And I do that. And I've shared that with my friends, wonderful, wonderful sisters and friends I've met when they're looking after their children with autism, you know, um, going through trolling, bullying, um, uncontrollable behaviour. I share that with them and they're completely, I'm like, go and see Quiet Place. You'll feel better after that. <laughs> they're like, it's horrible. I'm like, yeah, but you'll look at that mom and you'll be like, yeah, I do that. Actually, yeah, this sounds so scary actually after all. Because what I do. Yeah, fair that's what I recommend people to to, to watch, really, which yeah. is quite surreal in, in some ways. But it, it makes you realise the weight of what you're carrying. Honestly, to salute mothers who have who are literally carrying, you know, so much with without work, without jobs, without stability, without roofs over their heads, you know, all of that, or with injured children, sick children. It's um, yeah, people share such wonderful stories with me on Instagram and I'm really quite humbled that they one they share it and two that they're living you know that life and if I could do something to make it just a little bit more bearable at the end of the day it's only a picture at the end of the day but you know the words that I speak are are I don't write them beforehand I'm literally sitting down like, oh I think I'll post and then suddenly it turns into something else really and I think send and then I think oh <laughs> maybe I should have said that <laughs> I mean, literally, I'm like, like by the afternoon, I'm like, oops. 
<laughs> so I'm still impulsive in that way. But then I think, yeah, well, it's real and I feel it and I felt it and it happened. So, yeah. And it's authentic and it feels, yeah. Well, it was true and I did feel it and I am just trying to do one step at a time. So, yeah, why would I not? Love that. Love that. Why people don't just, just be more honest. Like, you know, this dress from whatever in a size, whatever, just be honest about it. That's why I think that maybe, you know, maybe I'm doing something wrong. (laughs) You're definitely not. You're definitely not. So I've just gathered a, a few quotes. Um, I'm going to read them to you and you just got to give me your opinion on them, whether you like them, don't like them. Okay. Sometimes it's just a, yeah, that's good. <laughs> okay, right. So our first one is what consumes your mind controls your life. Uh, cooking, photography, cabbages, foxes, <laughs> being successful, being a good mom. Um, mm. being a good ally mm. well, it was Raymond Raymond Williams he said it but uh, mm. that's interesting that all those things come to your mind straight away <laughs> yeah yeah they do you know I guess the fox could be interpreted as the wolf at the door but um, it's usually the wolf at or the fox at 2am in the morning which is freaking annoys me but there you go <laughs> so <laughs> usually my cabbages so I and I'm an insomniac so I have to ward them off and then I'm super awake and then I have to wait for myself to get tired, which is usually 4.30 in the morning. Oh, gosh. Foxes, quite a lot. (laughs) But, you know, they they are so cute. They really are so cute. Cute. Oh, I'm terrified of them. Yeah, oh, I'm not at all, but they must keep off my cabbages. Yeah. Stop stop, stop planting things in my my little front yard, little, little bit of space that I have. Stop ruining it. So, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> love that cool our next one is young people are now more concerned with how they appear on the outside instead of how they feel on the inside i don't know if that's true mm. um i think that's the perception of millennials and and uh, as a whole but i i don't know i think about my son he's not like that i think about my nephews and nieces they're not like that but I also believe because of the the rise of social media and everything wanting to be perfect it's very difficult not to be measuring themselves by that standard hell at 20 what was I doing consumed like that my waist wasn't thin enough you know holding it in what's that about you know Mm. I'm not saying that you know as a fashion designer you know I wouldn't do a bit of elastication on the waist but you know, which I would, and then I wouldn't, but hell, right now it's all about elastication, baby. Even though I do have some jeans, they don't have elastication. But really, I'm like, so if I was conceived about it, how can I criticise someone else for being so Mm. conceived? When there there are more pressures on them to be successful, to be doing this, to have, you know, to be entrepreneurs, you know, to be doing TED Talks, you know? Yeah, let, let them be, let them be. Let them just be young. I love that. Let them just be young, please. I, d- I don't feel like kids are kids for long enough no. in any stretch, let alone now, you know, grow. I look at um, 18 year olds with yeah. their like beautiful makeup and glam. And I was like, oh my gosh, at 18, I literally just didn't even think about that stuff. It's yeah. mad. It's mad. Yeah. And I look at them and say, well, plus I think, God, you're gorgeous. God, look at you. And, you know, but 
you know, when I looked at my picture and I thought, wow, she was gorgeous. I didn't think I was at all. Mm -hmm. And, and that's really sad. I think to, to spend, I mean, a good, I think I probably didn't do, and I came across that picture by surprise, but I probably didn't think I was gorgeous until after I was, you know, 30, which is what a waste of time. Absolute waste. Stop it. Um, (laughs) Just get out there and be young and be beautiful. That's what I say. In whatever guise you want. I mean, hey, we're models now, baby. (laughs) You know, (laughs) at 20, I wasn't a model. At 52, I am. Let's let's just, (laughs) you know what? As I am elasticated, you know, waist and whatever size, just, just embrace. Embrace it. I love that. Yeah. I completely concur with everything that you just said. Yeah. Um, so our final one, this is by my favorite author, Oscar Wilde. I just wanted to throw it in there. Oh yeah. To live is the rarest thing in the world. Most people exist. That is all. Hmm. Quite deep. Yeah, that is deep, isn't it? To live, what is to live? I think to live is to live well and not necessarily by your assets or how much wealth you create. I think you can create wealth with people and in relationships with yourself. So I think to to live is to look after yourself, but, but also to, to eat, to be able to eat, to be able to have a roof over your head and to create joyous relationships with people you know through food through art uh, through creativity through literature and um, I think that is how we live but also we live by learning and I think by pushing ourselves into different journeys it's almost like you know I live in this rented flat but really I'm in a mansion baby so I do believe in my dreams I visit places and there are rooms upon rooms upon rooms, which lead to corridors and pathways, which lead to countries and people. And, you know, it's amazing. I don't want to just stay here at all. I want to live and get out and walk and travel on my bike. And I, I, I live by talking to the person who walks by and accosting them, really, and asking them about what they've eaten and who they are and where they're going to you know i'm nosy i'm just generally nosy but that's how you live mm. by by interacting and changing changing yourself but you know maybe through a conversation with someone else it's so true i think interactions in general and connect like human connection you yeah. can never you can never undermine that value and we live in a world now where everyone's looking at their phones but sometimes i just look up and i love chatting to people i don't know just walking down the street and it's like that could have changed their whole day you're yeah. so right. That is life. You're, yeah, you're, you're so yeah, right. Yeah, I think so. And it doesn't really cost anything, but, mm. but really to be attentive to the person you're talking to or to look up. But I, I do think um, with younger people, if you are spending the time looking at your phone, you're not looking up. And as far as I'm concerned, I said this to a young girl, you know, I'm sure your mother didn't tell you to keep looking down. So what are you doing looking down? Look up. Mm you got to look up. You know, my mother didn't tell me to keep looking down. She yanked my head up. So that's what you got to do. Yeah. <laughs> look up. Keep looking up. Oh, Elenia, thank, thank you so much for coming Not on the podcast. Not it's at all. so you. lovely. You're so full of wisdom. I love it. I know. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> it's just 
and you just own everything you're like yeah brilliant thank you it's been it's been so lovely well thank you for having me it's been a pleasure if you enjoyed this episode then hit subscribe to be the first to get notified of new episodes dropping every wednesday a big shout out to our composer and producer pete half and a huge thank you to you guys at home for listening feel free to leave us a review on itunes or reach out on instagram at 20 not something it's lovely hearing your thoughts on the episode and who you guys are keen to hear from in future with that in mind we'll be back next week with another brilliant guest so stay tuned